The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, hello. It is the Disability Law Show. John Scholes here along with disability lawyer, co-founding partner, Savannah Tamarkin, along with partner, Albert Klein, and uh, Samfiru Tamarkin, the most positively reviewed disability law firm in the land. You want to reach out anytime. Here is how you do it. Toll free, of course, 1-855-821-5900. Website, disabilityrights.ca. Go there anytime for contact, information, education. And I want to mention this, uh, LTD FAQs. You have some. You probably do. Go to uh, ltdfaq.ca. Again, ltdfaq.ca. Great website. So, man, lots to get through today, so let's uh, let's get rolling, pal. What do you got, uh, what do you got up first? Tons of stuff, John. I do want to pick up on what you said about ltdfaq.ca. It's a Mm -hmm. website that's been accessed thousands of times since we launched it a few weeks back. And really what it is, is uh, it's an informational site. Um, You know, if you have any questions about your long-term disability claim, uh, or a friend of yours has questions, or a family member, or a colleague, someone has, is having issues, or just simple questions about their claims, uh, and you want to know on specific topics what the common answers are, you go to that website, and we talk about appeals. Uh, you know, what happens if you're denied an LTD claim, and the insurance company invites you to appeal? Should you do that? Pros, cons, that kind of stuff. The common reasons for why insurance companies deny LTD claims. CPP disability, we're going to go over that today as well, more substantively. But again, there is a short memo, again, in layman speak, no legal terms, uh, in, in those memos that we have on our website, dealing with difficult adjusters, how to deal with IMEs, independent medical examinations. Right. There's just a ton, a ton of, of, of questions and information that we have on our website because, John, on a daily basis, we get asked these kinds of questions from people across Ontario, BC, and Alberta. That's where we have offices. That's where we have lawyers. That's where we can help people deal with their insurance companies literally every single day. Again, ltdfaq.ca, ltdfaq.ca, and you can go there uh, right now and check it out. Email, by the way, we get to a bunch of these each show, help at disabilityrights.ca. Now, I know you got a bunch of stuff to get through. i got some stuff to get through, so where do you want to, uh, where do you want to pick it up, Simon? Well, we have a lot of questions that were posted to mydisabilityquestions.com, yep. as well as some questions that were emailed to me. You were aware of that, John. You saw mm-hmm. some of them. So we're going to get to them, but I do want to touch on something that, again, is all around us, all-consuming COVID-19. And I'm talking specifically about uh, several uh, things. Uh, So two two things actually that come to mind right now. Number one, long haulers. We are contacted by individuals who are suffering from the after effects of of being sick with COVID-19 and they're still having issues, memory issues, concentration issues, uh, various chronic type of issues, physical uh, uh, manifestations of, of the virus. And again, remember, this is still a new disease fairly speaking. Uh, Scientists and doctors are still studying it. We do know that some people uh, recover completely when they have it, but some people don't. Some people have residual impairments, residual limitations, which are affecting their ability to go back to work. The problem is that many of these individuals who are applying for disability, short-term and long-term disability, initially perhaps may get approved by these insurance companies, but at some point later, these insurance companies tell them that they're going to cut them off for one reason or another. And sometimes these insurance companies are saying that, well, 
you know, you should have recovered from COVID-19, just like they say, you should have recovered from this injury or that illness. Again, remember, it's a fairly simple analysis here when you're dealing with long-term disability claims. If you have coverage for LTD, and if you cannot work, if you cannot perform the essential tasks of your occupation for the first two years that you're an LTD, or the essential tasks of any occupation for which you're suited for beyond two years, and your doctors agree with you, and meaning your doctors have actually put it down in writing to the insurance company that you should be home, that you cannot work, the insurance company must cover you. Now, there are some limitations here. We had a caller that called our intake team and was complaining, John, that we didn't tell people that many of these policies end at age 65. And that's true. They do. We do talk about that. There are some limitations. If you're 64 years old and you have a an LTD policy that takes you to age 65, uh, then yeah, the the policy expires at that point. You you can apply for CPP, CPP disability, etc. But the point is that LTD policies generally added, uh, end at age 65. It doesn't mean that all of them do. And by the way, there are some policies that take you beyond 65 and some policies that don't even take you to 65. Uh, some policies are only two-year policies or five-year policies. Albert, you and I have talked about those kinds of policies as well. Again, if the insurance adjuster tells you your policy ends after two years, don't take their word for it. Ask for a copy of your policy. Ask them to show you where in the LTD policy that they are referring to, where does the provision state that the policy ends at the two-year mark? Because most times it does not. Most time it does take you to age 65, and that's very relevant for someone who is in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and even early 60s who are hoping to continue getting these payments because they are disabled from working. So again, very important, long haulers, COVID-19 long haulers, you're entitled to this kind of disability coverage. The other type of coverage or, or the other type of issue that I'm now fielding calls on and emails are individuals who are having difficulty with the vaccines. Hmm. I don't want to get John into the topic of uh, anti-vaxxers, uh, pro and, and against vaccines. I have the vaccine. Uh, my family has received the vaccines. I'm pro-vaccine. Yep. But there are people out there who have legitimate concerns about the vaccine. When I say legitimate, I mean they are suffering from severe anxiety. They are suffering from depression. They are suffering from needle phobia. These are actual conditions. Now, these individuals, to the extent that they truly are suffering from these uh, um, illnesses or, or these kinds of psychological, um, what should we call them, symptoms, impairments, should go to their doctors and perhaps should get a referral to a, a psychologist or psychotherapist, someone that can help them. But the reality is that if you are suffering from some kind of a psychological illness or some kind of psychological symptoms relating to the vaccines, relating to COVID-19, relating to anything really, and you cannot work or you can't perform the essential tasks of your occupation as a result, and your doctors confirm that you are suffering from that and you should be home from work, staying home, getting treatments, well, guess what? Your insurance company should cover you, right? It doesn't matter that it's because of your fear of vaccines or because of your fear of COVID-19. It doesn't matter. If you are suffering from a legitimate psychological issue and your doctors confirm that those symptoms are debilitating for you, well, then your insurance company should cover you. And if they're denying your claim, you should be calling us and we can help you. Again, guys, one 821 5900 toll-free, 821 Website is disabilityrights.ca. While you are there, you can find uh, links to our long-running TV show as well. There you go. Okay, what's next, pal? Where are we going? 
Well, so let's go uh, uh, right now to one of the questions that was posted recently to uh, mydisabilityquestions.com. Remember, mm -hmm. that's a free website for anyone to use. You can scroll down. You can take a look at prior questions and answers. So, so let me let me go to one uh, posted by Kimberly here. And okay. Albert, maybe I'll throw it to you. It's an easy one. We've done this before. But again, we are still fielding these kinds of questions, so it's important to go through it. It has to do with CPP disability. So Kimberly writes, my disability insurance company has informed me that it's mandatory for me to apply for CPP disability. Do I have to apply for CPPD, for CPP disability? Is it advantageous for me to apply for it? What, what would be your answer? By the way, we do have a memo just on this topic on ltdfaq.co, that website that I mentioned. But Albert, maybe you can just go through that because I'm sure you field tons of those kinds of questions about this topic. Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, the, the simple answer is yes. I mean, in 99% of these policies, and I've, it's been a very, very long time, obviously, we've seen every single policy, and there are some policies which actually do not mandate that you apply for CPP disability, but anyone that's been written in the past 5, 10 years, typically I've seen they, they do mandate that you apply for CPP disability. Regardless of whether or not it says that you should or you shouldn't, you absolutely should. And the reason for this is this. Insurance companies aren't going to keep you on claim forever. And yes, it's going to be a credit for the insurance company, meaning that if you do re receive CPP disability in 99% of these cases where it actually mandates that you apply, they're going to get a credit for every dollar that you receive from CPP, meaning that they will have to pay you less money based on however much CPP mm -hmm. you received. And so a lot of people are saying, well, if the money's just going to go right to the insurance company, what's the point of me applying? The point is the insurance company is not going to keep you on claim forever, and it's going to provide you with a certain amount of money every single month based on your contributions, uh, which will help keep you afloat if the insurance company ever does decide to cut you off, which in many instances, as for any of you regular listen listeners, you'll see that many people do get cut off, unfortunately, as well as well by applying to the uh by applying to service canada for cbp disability you now have a government agency which if you're approved agrees that you meet their test for disability so now their opinion gets pinned against the government's opinion and the government is obviously saying that you have a severe and a prolonged disability which is phenomenal and it makes it very, very tough for the insurance company to look at you, uh, look at you with a straight face, and actually try and cut you off. And these are the types of cases that, as soon as they come to us, and then we approach the insurance company, they often back off right away because they know that if this were to ever go before a judge or go to court, that a court's going to look at the fact that someone's been approved for CBP. So absolutely, you should apply. It's going to help you if you are approved. And it's just the money in the meantime. It, it, it's almost like an insurance policy on your insurance policy, which is kind of ironic. But uh, but you don't have to, you don't have to pay premiums for it, right? Now, John, one thing that I want to mention here, I agree with everything that uh, Albert says. People right. do call us, and they're angry that they are forced to apply for CPP disability. And they don't understand why it is that the insurance company, the LTD insurer, gets a credit for that. Meaning, it's not like they're it's not stacked. They're not getting CPP gotcha. disability on top of LTD. Mm -hmm. I share in that anger. 
I, I do. <sighs> I think it's a it's a mistake. Uh, I, it's something that the government has done or agreed to back then with the insurance companies. Surprise, surprise! Insurance companies and government colluding together. I'm sure they would have you know a whole slew of policy reasons to give us. But the reality is this: at the end of the day, you've contributed to CPP. You are now told that you're eligible, assuming you are, for CPP disability, and yet the insurance company gets a credit for that. To right. me, it makes zero sense. And yes, I know that some people out there will say, yeah, but if you get LTD plus CPP disability, you may end up with more money than had you worked in the first place. Yeah, that's very possible, but so what? So what? The LTD insurer collected premiums potentially for years before having to, to, to pay this out, and your yeah. CPP disability is not simply a handout from the government. You had contributed to CPP, right? You pay taxes, you pay whatever the, the premiums are. So at the end of the day, there is really no reason why that's happening, but it is happening. The point is, to Albert's point, you should apply for CPP disability if you are on LTD. Lots more to go, but we got to take a wee pause if you want to uh, reach out to Albert or Savannah or their respective crews. You, you can do that, no problem. one 821 5900 DisabilityRights.ca is the firm website. Sam Firu, Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively Googled disability law firm in the land. And we just read a uh, an excerpt, in fact, a contribution from MyDisabilityQuestions.com. And one more thing before we go to break, I want to remind you of this, ltdfaq.ca. All that stuff in there is open and ready for you to use. And uh, contact Savannah and his crew. So do that at your, uh, at your leisure. We'll continue. Lots more Disability Law Show is on the way. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All right, welcome back. Disability Law Show. John Scholes here along with Savan to Mark and co-founding partner and partner as well, Albert Klein, to uh, to contact their teams confidentially. Email help at disabilityrights.ca. Phone number toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. Get that compensation you deserve. Seek it out with their team from the firm that has successfully helped tens of thousands of Canadians get results. From here, Ontario, BC, Alberta as well. Reach out to them and, uh, and get some help. Okay. Hey, Albert, it's, it's your turn up to the plate, friend. You got something from, I think it's either an email or from mydisabilityquestions.com. What do you got, pal? Uh, it's actually from uh, my own caseload. And, Excellent. I mean, all, yeah, all this, uh, all this talk about CPP, I mean, really made me uh, rem- remember a, a fairly recent case where the insurance company was trying to get my client. My client had actually just got put back on claim, and the insurance company was trying to get my client to sign a document which basically mandated that she had to apply for CBT and mandated that she had to, if she was denied, appeal it again and then appeal it again. And it basically says, I, or I the client, said that my client acknowledged that if she did not apply and appeal through all the levels of appeal, that they would be able to simply subtract however much she could get from her monthly long-term disability benefit payment, meaning that if she didn't apply for apply and appeal for every stage of appeal, they would simply reduce her benefit amount, which I read that and I said, no, please, please do not sign this. And uh, so, of course, what I told her to say, and many of our listeners will hear the same advice, anytime, anytime an insurance company is telling you to do something and it's raising some red flags or... It's, it's just simply something that you're not prepared to do. 
you should put it back to that insurer and ask them where in the policy does it actually say that you're entitled to ask for this. Mm-hmm. And so my, so I, I told my client, here, this is the verbiage. This is exactly what you should send. And she sent it. And interestingly, the insurance company tried to refer to a different thing in the policy, which just did not explain why they were asking for this document to be signed. And so, of course, that's when I got involved. I messaged the, uh, I messaged the adjuster and I said, look, I've reviewed the policy in full and there is nowhere where it says that you're entitled to ask my client to sign a document like this. And now it's been about a month, still no response. And they're not asking my client to sign this document. So I think really the, the, the takeaway here is, and really it's just a public service announcement, to really watch out any time the insurance company is trying to get you to sign something for one, that should raise a bit of a red flag. But two, don't take at face value everything the insurance company is saying. I've seen many, many instances, and I mean, Savannah was talking about this earlier this morning, but I've seen many, many instances where an insurer says, oh, you only have two years left on the policy. But often what they're saying is you only have two years of of being paid if you can establish that from your own job, you can't work, or from your own occupation, you're incapable of working. But really, most policies have a two-year own occupation phase, and then after that two-year period, you're supposed to be paid if you can't work in any job for which you're reasonably trained, educated, or suited for. Yet, people just hear two years, or the insurance adjuster says, oh, you only have two years, and they're not being fully truthful. I actually also saw another instance where, uh, where the insurance adjuster had written down and was being very, very clear in saying, that my client had a maximum benefit period of two years. So it's a little bit different than saying that you only have two years in the own occupation phase. So she was saying, no matter what, the maximum you can get paid is two years on this policy. And then, of course, I wrote to them and said, well, where in the policy does it say that? Mm-hmm. And they weren't, they weren't able to point to anywhere. So we, we, we really have to, to, to keep these insurers honest. And uh, any time you're you're not sure about something, get them to prove it, plain and simple. You know, it's it's interesting, Savannah and Albert, guys. It's it's It seems like the long-term disability policy for the holder of the policy, you know, when push comes to shove, it's no different than the car insurance policy, the home insurance policy. Nobody reads it. They get the broad strokes, but they don't dig deep, and they really should keep a, a copy of it for at least two years beside them, and they should know it front to back if, if they can. You know what I mean? You're absolutely right, John, and – it's much, it, you know, it's 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 just like a uh, travel insurance policy. I mean, you buy right. travel insurance. How often do you actually read the fine print? And I can bet you, a lot of people, you know, uh, um, read the fine print last year when COVID hit yeah. and trips started getting canceled. Same kind of thing with LTD. You don't read it or you don't look at it in detail until the time comes, and then you're you're. You know, it's difficult to figure out what's going on because you have so many things on your mind. Um, now, in terms of what Albert says here, I agree completely. In fact, Albert and I spoke yesterday about a case out of BC. Without going into too many details, this lady was actually involved in a car accident, and she received a, a very large settlement from the insurer in BC. It's called ICBC. Uh, there's one insurance company there. But there is a question as to how that settlement interacts with her, her LTD entitlements. And one of the things that were interesting in that case, or are interesting in that case, I should say, is that the insurance company is is essentially saying, or at least in the policy it says that 
they can present the individual, the insured person, with a document for the individual to sign that says that if they recover any income-related damages from a third party, like in a car accident situation, that the insurance company is entitled to reimbursement for any money they paid. Think about this for a second. Why would the insurance company say in its policy that they are entitled to give you a document to sign? Why not just incorporate something in the policy? And the reason I'm saying this is, to Albert's point, insurance companies, particularly in the disability, on the disability side of things, will often ask you to do certain things and you need to question. I'm not saying you don't comply, but mm -hmm. I'm saying you question. You don't just simply be compliant automatically because in some instances, we do see insurance companies asking insured individuals to do things or accept things that otherwise they actually don't need to do or accept to their detriment. Remember, insurance companies are not in it for you. They're there for themselves. They're there to collect premiums and to pay as little as possible. It doesn't mean that they're allowed to do that in every instance, but if you let them walk all over you, they will. That's almost a fact in, in every single situation that I have encountered. Wow. So, you know, you, you do need to question, and this is why we're here. This is why we have the MyDisabilityQuestions.com website and why we have the LTDFAQ.ca website. You know, this is why we have all these websites, and this is why we tell people, John, to contact us, to email us with questions, which we get, by the way, on a daily basis, just repeatedly. In fact, as we're doing the show right now, I'm looking at my email screen and I'm seeing questions coming in. People need answers and we're giving those answers. We will speak with you for free. We will give you this information for free just so you get empowered. And if at the end of the day we can help you somehow, that's great. We've done our job. If you're empowered, if somebody you know is empowered, if the insurance company is not walking all over you because you know what your rights are and you've stood up to them, we've done our job and we're happy. And to reach out anytime, by the way, toll free one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's a good way. The website disabilityrights.ca. And for more questions and answers, anytime, anonymous, mydisabilityquestions.com. I think we got some time, uh, Savannah. I have one here actually from mydisabilityquestions.com if you guys want to go through it. Let's do it. Okay, this one comes from John. John says, I've worked in a heavy industry for the past eight years and was off for the last year due to chronic back pain. My chronic back pain was accepted by the short-term disability provider and paid for a year. My LTD has been denied a couple weeks ago. I have not appealed yet, but will. My doctor and physiotherapist and chiropractor are on board as to my chronic pain. A requirement of the company I work for is that you must be able to meet the physical demands of the position. Since I can no longer meet the physical demands of the position, should this allow me to receive my LTD benefits and for how long and so on? Thank you, says John. I'm sure that uh, Albert and I are going to want to to fight over this one, but let me let me take the first crack at it, uh, Albert, and then you can supplement. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll find things that I've missed. There's so much to unpack here. The first thing, the first thing that jumps at me here, John, is that you said I have not appealed yet, but I will. No, yeah. you will not, or you should not. Do not appeal these LTD denials. If you appeal these denials, first of all, people think, John, let's just back up for a second. People think that these appeals, right? When the insurance company denies your claim and they're telling you, you can appeal this, give us more information, more documentation. We will look at it with a fresh pair of eyes. It's nonsense. You are appealing to the exact same company, the exact same group of people that denied you in the first place. Now, it could be the colleague of the person who actually reviewed your file, the person in the next cubicle. What are the chances that that person is going to override their friend, right? The reality is that these appeals are useless. 
Now, I'm never going to say that they never work. Again, I say this over and over, just like I'm never going to say that if you play the lottery, you're not going to win. Yeah, occasionally someone wins. Do you really want to stake your financial future on a lottery? Because that's what this seems like to me every time somebody tells me they're going to appeal. These appeals often go absolutely nowhere. But here's the problem. Because somebody asked me recently, well, what's the downside of appealing? I get the fact that you're saying that once in a while they work, but often they don't. But why not appeal? Well, first of all, it's your decision if you want to appeal or not. But here's why not to appeal. Number one, you're going to lose a lot of time because these appeals don't take a day or a week. They can take months until you get a decision. That's number one. Number two, the fact that you have appealed that decision uh, and, and have now exhausted sort of that time frame, uh, that puts you back even more in terms of any bills that you have at home and any, any financial pressures you know, that you're suffering from. And, and remember, it's not doing anything good for your, for your mental health here, right? That the insurance company keeps rejecting you. That's number two. And the third issue, which I have seen, I have seen, I mean, it's not as common, but I have seen, it's that people appeal and appeal and appeal. And sometimes those appeals drag on to such a length of time that they've missed the opportunity to start the legal claim against the insurance company. They've missed that two-year mark. Remember, you have two years, only two years, from the date that you were first denied LTD to start legal action against the insurance company. If you miss that second-year anniversary, you may be out of time. That means that you can be 30 years old, disabled for life. But if you did not take legal action uh, within those two years against the insurance company, and let's say you're still going to be disabled for the rest of your life, you're out of luck. The insurance company is going to keep all that money that they would have had to pay you potentially until age 65. So you have all these issues. So do not appeal. Contact us. Let us talk to you. We'll tell you what the best options are. You can then decide what you want to do, but at least you'll have a menu of options to select from in terms of choices. And no two cases are the same, John, which is why I tell people don't go to Dr. Google and just try to diagnose your own case. It's, 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 that's a bad idea. Let us help you at least analyze. And again, it's free. It doesn't cost anything to talk to us about that. Want to take a short break. Before we do that, I want to give you some contact information to contact either Savannah or Albert and the respective teams confidentially email. That's a good way to start, right? Help at disabilityrights.ca. The phone number we, uh, we feed to you every show, one 855 821-5900. You can also go to disabilityrights.ca, get the advice you need, more contact information, links to our television show. And recently, the guys put together ltdfaq.ca. It's exactly how it sounds, ltdfaq.ca. These matters, I understand, are very personal. You don't want to broadcast all the time. You want to have a lengthy conversation with Savannah or Albert, a member of their teams. That is exactly why we do all this and give you all these avenues of support. MyDisabilityQuestions.com as well. Lots more to go here on the Disability Law Show. Stick around. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All right, welcome back. Disability Law Show. John Scholes here along with Savannah Tamark and co-founding partner and Albert Klein partner as well. Guys, your respective teams are always ready to answer people's questions outside the hour of this show. It is no problem. It is also toll-free, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. We pull a ton of emails from that uh, every show here every week, so feel free to use that. And LTD FAQs, you got some, you want to learn some, just go to the website, newly 
crafted ltdfaq.ca ltdfaq.ca albert just uh, prior to the break i know savan was uh, was talking about um, some contact we had from john at uh, mydisabilityquestions.com basically can't fulfill his job has to be able to fill, fulfill his job to go back to work on ltd thinking about uh thinking about appealing we know how we feel about that i know uh, savan mentioned it but he basically said at the bottom, since I can no longer meet the physical demands of the position, which he has to, should this allow him to receive LTD benefits? And for how long? A lot of confusion there. Yeah, I mean, as Savan as said, lots to unpack in this email. And, I mean, well, well, we'll start with your question. Should this allow you to receive your LTD benefits? The fact that you have to be able to meet the physical demands of your position and that essentially is the test for disability, at least for, for the first two years under most standard policies. That test is if you have an injury or illness which prevents you from doing the essential duties of your own occupation. So obviously, if you cannot meet the physical demands of your occupation or of your position, then yes, 100%, the insurance company should be paying you. And it's always interesting when a an employer or a manager actually writes that it's their opinion that on everything that they've seen that you cannot do the physical demand of your position because then that kind of puts the insurer in a weird position here the employer is paying these premiums month to month obviously the insurance company wants to have the employer's business yet the employer is saying i don't think this person can return to work yet the insurance company is saying they can so i mean at, at, at the end of the day, if you can't do the physical demands of your of your job, you absolutely should be covered. Does that mean that you will be covered? No. Insurance companies make wrong decisions all the time, and we see it time and time again. I mean, uh, that's, that's frankly what they've banked on. They, they want to deny legitimate claims because they know that by doing that, it's going to increase their bottom line, and they know that most people aren't going to do anything about it. You, you, you did mention that uh, your doctor, your physiotherapist, and your chiropractor are on board as to your chronic pain. And there's a subtle distinction that I want to kind of explain to you, John. So the fact that you have a diagnosis, the fact that you have chronic pain, doesn't necessarily mean you're entitled to long-term disability. I'm not okay. trivializing anything that you've gone through. I'm not saying that you're not entitled to long-term disability. But a lot of people think that, oh, I have all these diagnoses. So why am I not getting approved? And you need you need your doctors, and you need to be able to convey that extra link, right? It's why your chronic pain is now preventing you from functionally doing your job. That's what needs to be explained. So a lot of times, people will go in with three, four, five different doctor's letters just explaining that they have chronic pain, yet many people have chronic pain. Many people work with chronic pain. Once again, not trivializing anything that you're experiencing, mm -hmm. But we just need to make that extra tie so that your doctors, your physiotherapist, and your chiropractor are all explaining why your chronic pain is limiting you. And but but at, but as Savan said, absolutely, you should not appeal. You should definitely uh, definitely give us a shout. We're happy to uh, discuss your claim at a little bit more length. Sometimes I actually speak with doctors directly, and we'll tell them exactly what to write. So give us a shout. And I know you've got that number already uh, before you uh, carry on, Savan, for everybody, one 821 5900 Sorry, pal, go ahead. On the website, ltdfaq.ca, there's actually a yeah. memo on, on Albert's last point here of what doctors should be writing 
when you, when they're in fact writing for their patients uh, in in respect of LTD or STD applications, um, th there's a memo there called Doctor and Treating Health Professional Reports in Long-Term Disability Cases. And in that two or three page document that we have on our website, again, free, just go and access it, uh, we've outlined exactly what kind of things your doctor needs to say. And Albert's right. Just saying that you have chronic pain or just saying that you have depression or just saying that you have cancer, God forbid, is not enough to get you your disability payments. You need to demonstrate, or your doctors need to explain how that uh, that condition or set of conditions are hindering you from being able to perform the essential tasks of your occupation or any occupation, depending on where you are in the policy. So that's that's really really important. That connection, that nexus. And if you go to that website and you go to that memo, you can literally see step by step, uh, you know, what your doctor should be writing or or what will make your doctor's reports that much more effective. And Albert's right as well, we often talk to doctors. In fact, we have psychologists, chronic pain doctors, people reaching out to us who are treating these individuals who are saying, I've written on behalf of my patient and I'm frustrated because the insurance company is not buying what I'm selling, so to speak. They're not approving my, my, my patient's disability applications. And you know, when I ask them to, to tell me what they wrote without divulging the name of the patient, and they tell me it's deficient, it's insufficient. Not because these doctors are doing a bad thing, because this is not what they do for a living. They help you. You know, they're not in the business of writing these kinds of letters, so they may not know. So often there is that miscommunication between the doctor and the insurance company. Now, something else I wanted to mention here, going back to that individual who wrote that uh, email, John. He's talking about the physical demands of the position, that he can't meet that because of chronic pain. Chronic mm -hmm. pain has different dimensions. It's not just actual physical pain. It can also be as a result of pain, you cannot sleep. So now you have sleep deprivation that is going to be hindering your ability to perform physical uh, tasks. It also affects your psyche. So often with chronic pain conditions or fibromyalgia or a whole host of other conditions like that, we see this interplay between the psychological and the physical. Remember, again, whether it's a physical uh, impairment that you have from performing the tasks of your employment or a psychological or a mixture of two, if you are unable to carry out the majority or the essential tasks of your occupation or any occupation, depending where you are in policy, your insurance company should be covering you. And if they're not, if they're putting roadblocks, if they're denying your claim, if they're questioning your doctors, give us a shout. You are not alone. Okay, You're not alone. This is what we do for a living. We have a big team of lawyers and legal professionals that deal with this on a daily basis on behalf of individuals just like you. Still taking your calls anytime, by the way, as we go to break, one 821 5900 Reach out to either Savan or Albert, a member of their prospective teams. You can contact the most positively reviewed disability law firm in Canada anytime, disabilityrights.ca. And as Savan just mentioned, a new avenue for you is ltdfaq.ca as well. Lots more Disability Law Show is coming up. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
Welcome back, Disability Law Show. Let's uh, let's keep going. Co-founding partners, Savannah Tamarkin and as well, Albert Klein partner, reaching out to these guys, Sam Firu Tamarkin, LLP. Anytime the most positively reviewed disability law firm in the land, 1-855-821-5900. The website, simply disabilityrights.ca. More contact information there as well. It can be discreet, of course. And uh, you can also find links to our long-running TV show as well, which you've got to get Albert on very soon, by the way. But it's, it's basically Savannah and the rest of the team doing that. It's good stuff. Uh, I want to reach out to an email. This one from JB. Um, Savannah, this one's a bit lengthy, so tuck in, boys. We'll uh, we'll get this done. JB says, hello, my son has been on LTD for almost a year now due to severe anxiety and depression. He is under the care of our family doctor and psychotherapist. He recently participated in an IME, independent medical exam, arranged by his insurer. Following the IME, his insurer contacted him to offer to arrange and pay for weekly sessions with a psychologist for a four-month period. While this appears to be helpful, I question if this is a tactic used by the insurer to have a medical opinion in their favor. I believe their main objective is to end my son's LTD claim. They need a doctor directly involved in my son's care to state he is able to return to work. Given that the psychologist will be paid by the insurer, working for the insurer, they are more likely to provide a medical opinion, concluding he is able to return to work at the end of the four months of weekly sessions. I believe that it would be difficult to defend a legal claim if they denied his LTD benefits at the end of the four months. I understand it is mandatory to participate in the IME. What should my son do about the offer from the insurer to arrange and pay for four months of psychology sessions? Should this be avoided? Is it safer for him to arrange and pay his own psychologist independent of the insurer? P.S. Your television shows are very informative. I will be recommending it for others seeking employment and disability law advice. Nice. Thank you, says JB. You know, JB, I, I could not have written your question better. Uh, <laughs> and for anybody questioning if this is legitimate, just go to the website, mydisabilityquestions.com. You'll see it's posted there. I don't know who JB is, but this is this hits the nail on the head. We've dealt with this issue quite a few times before. So to sum it up, uh, JB's son has been on LTD for almost a year for anxiety and depression. The insurance company is saying, we want him to go to this psychologist for four months for all these sessions. We will pay for it. Um, and he's asking, well, should he go to this psychologist that the insurance company is going to be paying? I would be very, very hesitant and skeptical. Now, uh, the reality is this. If your son, JB, needs this help, uh, then he needs to get that help, whether it's through his own psychologist that he chooses to go to or through the insurance uh, paid psychologist. And the reason I say this is, is, is as follows. There are some places in Canada, rural areas, where it's very, very difficult to get a psychologist. And so if you have no alternative, you have no choice, if you cannot find someone to help you and the insurance company is opening the door for you and saying, look, there is a psychologist right there, there is a treatment provider right there, to me, uh, it's the least worst option to go to someone that the insurance company is paying for. But I would be as um, concerned here as JB. John, because you know the reality is that if the psychologist is being paid by the insurance company, that does the psychologist then have some kind of an allegiance to the insurance company? Maybe the psychologist is a very good psychologist, but four months later, is this psychologist to please the insurance company? Is he or she going to crank out a report saying that JB's son is healthier or better now and able to go to work than he really is, just so that he, the psychologist, can stay in the insurance company's good graces? 
So, you know, the way that I would approach this, assuming, JB, that your son has another alternative and assuming that he can get a, a, a different psychologist uh, in the area wherever he lives, I would turn this around to the insurance company and say to the insurance company as follows. You insurance company are saying that I need four months of psychology sessions. Fantastic. You've agreed to pay for those. Fantastic. Are you okay then to pay for the, for the psychologist that I want to go to? Because if the insurance company says no, then you really have to question why the insurance company is pointing you towards that specific psychologist. Right? They've already agreed to pay for a psychologist. So why not ask them to pay for the psychologist that you want to go to, that you've gotten a referral from, from your, your doctor or someone else you know? Uh, you know, so that's the way that I would approach this. And if the insurance company says no, I still, to me, and this is my own choice, and I would tell this to a family member or a close friend, if you have a, a chance here or a choice to go to a psychologist that you choose, not one that the insurance company is sending you to, that's who I would go to, even if I had to pay out of pocket or if I had to, you know, make some kind of other arrangements, because I would be very, very concerned that the psychologist the insurance company is sending you is potentially going to prepare a report down the road that prejudices you. Again, that's, and I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen with, with uh, physiotherapists. I've seen this happen with chiropractors. I've seen this happen with mental health professionals where the individual goes to them in good faith, gets treatments, likes the treatment provider, but then a few months later, suddenly that treatment provider provides a report to the insurance company that makes no sense, that is exactly the opposite of what that person has been saying to the insured person all along. So that's the way I would approach it. Uh, Albert, I don't know if you have any comments on this or if you've experienced this before with some other clients. You're unbelievably astute, JB. <laughs> your, your email shows just a very high-level understanding of how these insurance companies work. And really, really, you should be on guard, right? Anytime, anytime an insurance company is doing something, even if it may seem gratuitous at the time, it's not. Because they're profit-making entities and everything they do is so that they can make more money. So they're sending you to the psychologist or your son to the psychologist, absolutely, because they think it's going to pay off in the long run. Either give them an opinion or allow allow them to, quote-unquote, rehabilitate your son in a very short period of time. So absolutely, you should be on guard and you should follow the advice that Sagan outlined. Again, to recap, look... <laughs> It's true that we're very skeptical of insurance companies, but remember that the overall priority is to get better. And, and for, for JB here, the overall priority is for his son to get better and, and to, to heal. And that means sometimes taking something from the insurance company that you don't want to take because you're afraid that they're going to use that against you. But again, there, there are things you can do along the way. So for example, one of the other things that, he, that, that JB's son can do is while he's go look, let's assume for a second he doesn't have a psychologist of his own let's say he accepts the insurance company's offer to go to their psychologist i think right. that while he's going to that psychologist he should also be making regular appointments with his own doctor family doctor and report to the family doctor how mm -hmm. the psychologist sessions are going so if at some point down the road the psychologist that the insurance company is paying for that's treating him somehow gives the insurance company a report that contradicts the reality of the situation at least we'll be able to still fight, you know, whatever that psychologist's opinion is in the insurance company if they deny his claim because we will have the backing of the family doctor. So again, it's an example of, of one of those situations where it's very nuanced. We deal with these kinds of cases all the time. Be more than happy, JB, to speak with you in person or your, with your son, uh, or, or not in person, but on the phone, and explain everything, go through all the options, and make sure that you are fully protected from this insurance company. 
JB, thank you. And that is where we're going to wrap it up for today and a good way to do so. Some uh, final contact as we uh, as we fly out of here. But that means you can still carry on and contact Savannah or Albert and their teams anytime you would like. Toll-free would be a good way on the phone if you prefer. 1-855-821-5900. Website is disabilityrights.ca. Put help at in front of that. You got yourself an email, mydisabilityquestions.com, a free and anonymous uh, questions and answers website, mydisabilityquestions.com. Leave your questions there. And then finally, the most recent one and and helpful as well, ltdfaq.ca, ltdfaq.ca. Appreciate hanging out for the hour. We'll do it all again next week right here on the Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.